think we could say amen and go home. What do you think? Let me share a couple things with you as you, um, before we leave this morning, and um, appreciate again the opportunity to have some time with you around the Word of God, and I realize that we're entering into a, a busy season, and there's a temptation for most of us as we enter into this Christmas season, is just to see the lights. Uh, just kind of look around and see what's going on and be captivated by all those things. And I'm not necessarily saying those are all bad. Christmas lights are not bad. Christmas trees are not bad. Christmas presents aren't bad. But one of the interesting things for me is, is just to pause as a family and remind us, you know, where we're headed as we get ready to celebrate this Christmas season. And so I was at uh, lunch the other day, and um, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but uh, I went to lunch and um, ate lunch, and I'm getting ready to leave, and the waitress, they don't bring you a ticket. And I'm like, well, I'm, I need to pay for lunch. And they said, well, it's paid in full. I said, well, who paid for my lunch? And then they don't tell you who paid for your lunch. And so you're, now you're looking around the restaurant thinking, all right, who, who found us? Who, who paid for it? Who am I supposed to call? Who should I text? Who do I say thank you to? when it comes to my lunch. And uh, so I don't know if you've ever experienced that or maybe you need to be on the other side. Sometimes I like to buy lunch and not let anybody know who it was me. And so just pick, okay, those two over there in that area, we'll buy their lunch and we'll we'll go and just don't tell them who it is, we're just gone. Well, the whole thing that I want you to see this morning is I want you to be thinking about paid in full. As you enter into this Christmas season and you think about peace, as you enter into this Christmas season, I want you to think about paid in full. As you enter into this time, as you come off the end of 2020, most of us are looking for today peace. Comfort right now. Get me through the situation right now. But as you enter into this Christmas season, I don't want you to think just about the right now part of it. Because if you only think about the right now part of it, you're going to miss something that's very important. It's God's wrath. There is going to come a time and a day that everyone's going to stand before the Lord and you're going to have to deal with his wrath. And it wasn't like he didn't give you opportunity after opportunity or the world an opportunity to make a decision. He has. 2,000 years ago, he sent his best gift. He wasn't one of those guys who said, oh, I'm going to be mad at you and I'm going to make you pay for the rest of your life. No, that's not how God works. But what's important for you this morning, it's very easy for us right now just to look externally, just to see the lights. Did I get the right gift for somebody? And so I want to pause this morning, and I know this isn't going to be maybe your most fun Sunday morning service you've ever had, but I want to challenge you to look internally because this matters doesn't matter what gift you have this Christmas 10 years from now. You're not even going to remember what it was. You might get the gift that you don't like in 10 years from now. You're not going to remember you didn't even like the gift that you got this year. But I promise you, eternity is at stake this morning. And that matters. Because there's no do-overs when it comes to that. So I'm going to start with a passage of Scripture that you're probably aware of. So go with me to Genesis chapter 3. As you go to Genesis chapter 3, you're going to get there and you're going to see the title, the, the subtitle. It's going to say the fall, or you're going to see Adam and Eve, or it's going to have, you know, in your Bible. And so as you enter into Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve have been on the earth I don't know how long. I don't know if it's been 10 days, 5 years, 15 years. I don't know. I was thinking about that this, this week. What was it like to be on earth 
and not have any sin issues. What would it like to be on earth and you don't have to worry about eating? You know, just go eat this. And then there was no work involved. There was no salary involved. There was no banks involved. There was no weeds in your garden involved. You just basically went wherever you wanted. Everything was wonderful in the garden. And God gave the garden to people, Adam and Eve. And as you enter into chapter 3, there's going to be a discussion between Eve and the serpent. Now, I don't want you to be, just be mean on Eve and think, well, she's just a bad person. As you watch this thing, everywhere Eve is, guess who's there besides the serpent? Adam. He's there. And so something's going on with Adam and Eve. I don't know if it's side conversations, but the serpent slips in and says, you know what? There's something God's holding out from you. Your life will be a little bit better if you get this. This will complete you. It's just over there. God is holding it back because he doesn't want you to be like him. Again, before you jump on Adam and Eve's shoulders and say, well, man, these people are terrible, I want you to think internally. What are you looking for this morning? What's that one thing? If you just had that one thing, man, your life would be complete. God, why are you holding out on me? What is it? Don't answer it out loud. But I want you to think about it. If you have your Bible, if you're in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, I want you to drop down to verse 4. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So when the woman saw, so be very careful with your eye gate of your life. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. You don't always need everything that you see. That the, the tree was good for food and it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise. She took of her fruit and ate And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. For the first time in the garden together, something takes place, sin. So this, this begins the separation between man and God. I want you to go over to Genesis chapter three, flip to the end of that, go down to verse 24. So God has cursed them. Here's their punishment. And then here's something that happened. I I had forgotten about this. Verse 24. And he drove out the man. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned everywhere to guard the way to the tree of life. You're separated from me now. Man, you've made a choice. You thought I was holding something out. So you stepped into something that was not for you. The garden wasn't enough. Eve wasn't enough. There was something else that you wanted. So you stepped out. So God said, fine, you step out into that. You will be separated from me. You will not be allowed back in the garden. Sin entered into the world. Now, as I'm talking with you and we start talking about the word sin, then there's a temptation. You can tell me about everybody else's issues. If I would come and ask you, let's talk about sin, your probably first comment's not going to be you. You're going to tell me about everybody else. So I have a quiz for you just to remind you this morning that we are all sinners, okay? So don't panic. Uh, you don't have to turn in the quiz. It's yes and no questions, so you don't have to worry about stressing out and all your answers. But I really, I really want you to think about this. Have you ever became, have you become angry this week? Yes or no? Don't bump your neighbor. Don't bump your spouse. 
okay? Have you thought over the last six months that life is not fair? Here's another interesting one. Have you stopped at all the stop signs this week? And when I mean stop, I mean complete stop. Some of you just roll around stop. I mean complete stop. So if you haven't, you've disobeyed, so you have sinned this week. So that means we're all probably sinners because I'm pretty sure... Most people don't stop at all stop signs. If you are married, now this was interesting, first hour, there are a lot of looks left and right, first hour, and a little bit of nudging, first hour. But if you are married, this applies to you, did you listen with intent to your spouse this week? Did you listen with intent with your spouse this week? Yes or no? And then here's another one. When they put the arrows down and in Walmart or Publix, that happened, same thing happened first hour. They, everybody giggled. So if you did not obey the arrow, guess what? You sinned. You disobeyed the rules. You went the wrong direction. Last thing, have you lied about any of your answers to these questions? <laughs> and it is kind of fun just to, you know, to, to think about, but I really want us to, to remind ourselves that we are sinners sitting here this morning. That's an internal look. And so because we are sinners, then we are separated from God. So if, if I'm a sinner and I'm separated with God, I realized this morning, um, you can have peace, or my question to you, are you at peace with God this morning? You sitting in your seat. Don't think about your neighbor. Don't think about your coworker. You sitting here this morning, are you at peace with God? Peace with God is available to all those who believe. And I realize I haven't said anything new to you yet. But it's an opportunity for us to really think about what our eternity is going to look like. And so I want to take you to another passage. I want you to go with me to the book of John. And I want you to go with me to John chapter 3. And I know a lot of you automatically think, all right, John chapter 3, we're going to go straight to verse 16. And we are going to go to 16 in just a second. But I'll share some things with you about John chapter 3 before we get to verse 16. If you read there in verse 1, there's a guy, there's a guy there by the name of Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is a teacher. Uh, he's a Pharisee. So what does that mean? That means that Nicodemus had a passion for the scriptures. That's one thing that's interesting to me is that Nicodemus has an open heart. A teacher's coming to Jesus for some conversation. I think that's kind of an interesting little thought process. It's going to be at nighttime. He's coming to Jesus because of miracles. He's coming to Jesus because, you know what, I... Jesus, I need to have a conversation with you because when, some, when you're around, different things happen. Lives are transformed. Lame people walk. Blind people see. Something's different. And so he's going to have some questions in his mind. What's going on? We know you're from God. How does all this work? And so most of us, as we think about John chapter 3, we jump down to verse 16. But I want you to see there in verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God, for no one else can do the signs, these signs unless God is with him. So interesting, Jesus is going to make a statement. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus is going to wrestle with that statement. What does it mean? And his question is going to be, what does it mean to be born again? So I want you to drop, jump, jump over now to uh, the, the next part of chapter 3. I want you to go down to verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, 
but you do not receive our testimony. Those are some heavy words to Nicodemus. Those are some words that Nicodemus is going to have to go back and think about. Okay, Jesus is talking. Am I, as the teacher, the instructor, am I listening to Jesus' words? Most of those people were not. Most of the Pharisees were not listening to Jesus' words. They did not want a servant king. They wanted a conquering king. So they crucified Jesus. But I want you to see something that maybe you haven't thought about as you think about the John chapter 3 passage. I want you to see verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, Nicodemus would have known about this. So now this is going to jump you back to Numbers chapter 21. What's going to take place in Numbers chapter 21 is the nation of Israel is complaining. And what I think is interesting is, as God is dealing with the nation of Israel and he hears their complaints, there's something that I think you and I need to be aware of, especially being in the church of the United States of America. Just because there was complaining, Jesus didn't fold his hands and say, okay, let's go to Starbucks and have a cup of coffee and we're going to work this all out. Okay? He didn't do that. And I'm thinking a cup, Starbucks, cup of coffee. Y'all have like very strange things that go in a cup of coffee. I was just remembering that. It's a whole other story. But anyway, they, they go to Starbucks and they don't drink coffee. They drink everything and they put coffee inside the cup called Starbucks, but has all these other things. A drop of this, a drop of that, extra this, extra that. But anyway, so anybody else like that? How many of you are true coffee drinkers? Just drink black straight coffee. All right, so we have a few people. Ooh, that's disgusting. Mm. Okay, anyway, Jesus didn't say to the nation of Israel, okay, let, let me, I want to coddle you here a little bit. I won't, don't want to hurt your feelings. I want to make sure that you're okay. I want to make sure that you really love me. So how do you think we should handle the complaining circumstance? He did not do that. The nation of Israel's feelings were not be able to be expressed when Jesus says, okay, look, the nation of Israel is complaining against God. They're complaining against Moses. So how do I make them feel better? He didn't do that. You know what he did? He did whatever he needed to do to lead them to repentance. For them to go in a totally different direction. You know what that meant? That meant he was going to send snakes to that thing's, oh, snakes to the nation of Israel. It also meant when you got bit by a snake, you were going to die. So now you got the nation of Israel saying, God, where are you? God, this isn't fair. Okay, fine. Here's a cup of coffee. Enjoy your day. I don't want to ruffle your feathers. I want to make sure you still like me. No, no. Snakes show up. And people die. So now there's a wake-up call for the nation of Israel. Okay, what are we going to do now? He didn't do it our way. He didn't make us happy. So they go to Moses and say, look, hey, we want to repent. Go back to God and say, God, we we're, we're sorry. Okay, fine. So what did God do? God asked Moses to take a, a snake, a bronze serpent, and he asked him to raise it up. And he told the nation of Israel something very interesting. Whoever would look at this snake would live. Whoever would have the courage Whoever had the, the last strength remaining to move wherever they needed to do, just so they could get say, there's the snake. That's what God said. Here's the way we are. I'm going to go here. You ever wonder how many thousands said, you know what? This is the dumbest thing ever. God, we are not doing this. Whoever thought that, you know what happened to them? They died. 
even though God had made a way. God said, here's the offering. Here's the sacrifice. This is what you need to do. God, I am not looking at a snake in order to live. Fine, do it your way. I don't care. And do you ever wonder how many thousands says, you know what, God? We understand that we, we have made a mistake and we're going to look to you and live. And then he says something is so interesting to me. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. So here's this thing that's taking place. It's Christmas 2020. And there's this struggle inside of us. Do I want to have temporary peace? Do I want to be happy today? And everything work out okay for today? Or how many of us are sitting in the building saying, you know what? I recognize that I want eternal hope. It's you, Jesus. You know what really that is going to mean then for you? To make a decision to look and live. For you to make the choice individually, say, you know what? For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you done that? Where was it when you, or what time frame or what was the scenario where you stopped and your world was so wound differently that you said, okay, it's time for me to look at you, Jesus. I see that you're lifted up. I understand you've got my attention. Today's the day that I choose you. Do you remember that day? Or maybe you're that individual that's sitting here and the older we get and the more spiritually mature that we get and the more we allow the scriptures to be around us, we're more aware of our sin and we're so more thankful for our Savior who's given his life so somebody who didn't deserve it. What did you offer him? Nothing. We offered him nothing. And he stepped into the world and said, hey, I want you. I want a relationship with you. I recognize in Genesis that we're separated by sin. We could still be doing the sacrificial system right now if Jesus wasn't born 2,000 years ago. We could be still be walking around like the nation of, of Israel and not have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of who we are, giving hope when there is no hope, giving us more than temporary peace. Training our lives to say, you know what? It's not just about the here and now. It's about eternity. That's a totally different way to think. So we've gathered this morning. Genesis chapter 3, we're reminded of sin. John chapter 3, reminded of a Savior. Do you have peace this morning? It will never be in the lights. It will never be in the presence. It will only be found in Jesus Ephesians is pretty clear about that. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For Christ died according to the scriptures. Three days later he rose again. That's the gospel. Do you have that this morning? That's my first question. We're not going to ask you to walk down the aisle. We're not going to ask you to raise your hand. We're just going to ask you to look internally for a minute and answer this little question. Do you have peace with God this morning? Is it paid in full for you? It's a yes or no question. Well, maybe. No, no. Maybes don't work for eternity. Maybes might work for lunch, but they do not work for eternity. So I'm pretty sure if I pass the microphone, you know what everybody going to say? Do you have peace with God? Yes, 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 yes. I'm hoping that's what you say. Then there's something should be stirring in your soul. 
to know that you have peace of God and you want to share that with the whole world. Because as you leave this morning, I want to remind you of Matthew chapter 5. That little section where you read about the Beatitudes. And then he just drops down a couple verses after the Beatitudes. This is what a believer looks like. Blessed is the poor in spirit. Blessed is the individual who loves Jesus that doesn't live, oh, it's all about me today. Hey, make me happy today, Jesus. If that's you, you probably would have been left in the desert if you were with Moses. Because you wouldn't have looked to live. You just said, well, look at me. I got it all right here. I don't need to go anywhere else to look and live. You are the light of the world. I love Christmas trees. I like driving by and see people's lights. But you know what would be interesting is? When I drive by a Christmas tree or I drive by somebody's house lit up, it would be reminding me that, hey, you know what? God, you've left me here to be the light of the world. I have peace with you and I want to share that with others. That's why you're here. That's why we're still left. You are God's plan aid for the whole world to have peace with him. It's us. We're his ambassadors. So I want to share something with you as we wrap this up. I think tomorrow morning I get to go back to prison. Uh, Not because I got in trouble, but because the prison doors are open. And I think the Lord has opened up an opportunity for a couple of us pastors to go back and meet four men. Three of those men, four of these guys want to start a local church in the prison. Three of them will spend the rest of their life in prison because of the crimes they've committed. One of them will most likely be released in a couple of weeks. So he uh, sent us an email. His name is Rashad. You probably will never meet him. Some of the guys in here have met him. So he sent this message to us, and he's talking about the church, and the, the guys are kind of struggling because they couldn't go to church. But then they found out something. Um, the chapel is a place that's, one. I think it's the only place or one of the only places on the compound that actually has air conditioning. There's another place, that other building that we met in. I can't remember the name of that. So there's two buildings that I'm aware of that have air conditioning. So a lot of guys want to work at the chapel because there's air conditioning. They also have your own restroom in the chapel. So you're not, you know, within all the other inmates. And so people who attend chapel regularly or even have some Bible studies have fallen away. That's his words. They've got involved in pornography, anger, loneliness, and other dynamic demonic influences. Some of them think the answers are that they just need to go back to chapel and when it opens up again, life will be okay. The only thing is that if we open back up the chapel, they'll start hiding again. Don't get me wrong. I truly miss fellowship with all the brothers and can't wait to resume. But I honestly say my relationship with Christ is stronger and more intimate than it's ever been before. Thanking God for his faithfulness, I have learned the answer to being back in a, is, the answer is not being back in a building, but to be in Christ. Over the past nine months, I've heard many people are waiting for salvation when it looks like a vaccine, the church opening back up, a new ward and a new president, re-election of the old president, or even a stimulus check. It's been crazy and sad. But remind the church that we are not a building, but a group of people centered around the risen Son of God, Jesus the Messiah. 
Let them know that no matter who the president is, Jesus is still our king and our election can't be stolen. Sorry to preach to you, but you asked me how I was doing. If we would stand in front of you today and ask you to write an email, what would it say? Do you have peace with God? Is it paid in full for you personally? And if we do have peace with God, remember, we are the light of the world. We are the hope of Highlands County. Living inside of who we are, his name is Jesus. So I pray as you enter into the Christmas season that you would allow Jesus to be lifted up in your life so that the world may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be together as a family this morning. Father, I thank you for 2020. Even though it's been difficult and hard, and you've still been our Father. I thank you how you've developed our relationship with you in a deeper way through the midst of turmoil and struggle. So, Father, you know the ones sitting in this room who have peace with you, and you know the ones who do not. And so, Father, if there's one or two or 20 or whatever the number might be, may you draw them to a place where their life gets so messy that all they can do is look up and see, okay, there's the risen Christ. He's here for me. I choose you, Jesus. That's you. Again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to walk down the aisle, but I am going to ask you to personally look inwardly. Do you know Jesus? Has there been a time where you've admitted that you have some sin issues, that you ran the stoplight, that you didn't obey the arrows? And I know those are silly things, but it's still, it's, it's convicting for us to look internally and see our own sin. Don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to get angry. You have a loving father saying, I can deal with that. I sent you my son. Will you receive him? I lifted him up 2,000 years ago for you. And then three days later, he rose again for you. So it's available to you today. It's your choice. The gift is available. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. Will you receive it? And then for the rest of us, Father, may there be peace in our soul that is demonstrated by our lifestyle of actions that we may live differently in the power of the name of Jesus, that strongholds will be broken, lives will be impacted, our own lives will be changed because of you, Jesus. And we would take no credit or no glory. We would say everything belongs to you. It's you, Jesus, the risen Christ in my life. Allow us to be a light into a broken world. It's your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas and have a great day.